0: Today we are back in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 7 through 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning now in verse 7. Then I returned, and I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. This is the word of the Lord let us uh, hear what God has to say and pray now for his blessing Lord would you give us uh, the help of your Holy Spirit to illumine to teach to ins- to be our instructor today for we ask it in Jesus name amen, amen. well I do, uh, From time to time, just type a word into uh, the search bar in my computer. So I typed loneliness this week into the computer, and it came up with a list of articles uh, on the first page, and a couple of those articles were uh, titled Thusly. One said, Seven Types of Loneliness and Why It Matters, How to Cope with Loneliness, Nine Strategies to Try. Uh, Another article said, health risk of social isolation and loneliness. And then another said, America has a loneliness epidemic. Here are six steps to address it. And in one of the uh, articles, the author wrote the following. He said, loneliness is a universal condition. It makes a person irritable, self-centered, depressed, and is associated with a 26% increase in the odds of premature mortality. That means death. Uh, loneliness can lead to early death. Uh, and did you know that it's not old people as much today as it is young adults who suffer from high rates of loneliness, anxiety, and depression, according to a recent survey that the CDC did sixty three percent of young adults I forget the age range there but are suffering significant symptoms of anxiety depression, loneliness. And, uh, and yet there is an answer to these things. And Solomon helps us in very practical ways today uh, to show us how to deal with uh, isolation, loneliness, and so forth. Uh, and, to, and to show us what the benefits of uh, companionship are. So let's first, two points today. And the first point is uh, the vanity of Of isolation, you should know what that word vanity means by now. Uh, Solomon repeats it over and over. It means empty, futile, uh, uh, completely meaningless. So isolation, and it begins in verse seven. Then I returned. I saw vanity under the sun. He returns now to this subject from many other uh, uh, topics, which were vain uh, things, and he's pointing here. First of all, to the vanity of the person who isolates himself from others. Verse 8, there's one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother. Uh, so one is alone. He's without companion. That, that word one is repeated five times in chapter 4. And uh, as the song goes, one really is the loneliest number. And, uh, and, and then he says, without companion, literally, it means without a second. Uh, you've got one, but you don't have a second. You don't have two, another person. And he says this person doesn't have a son or a brother. Uh, he probably isn't married, which is why he doesn't have a family. It, it doesn't appear he has any close friends uh, and, and, and any close kin. That he, that that he cares about, or that care about him, uh, his loneliness, in other words, is is not an accident. Uh, it, it was a choice. In this case, he chose to give his life uh, to making money and uh, working hard to, in order to do that. Uh, it says, "There's no end to all his labors. His eye is sat- nor is his eye satisfied with riches." So that's what he's living for. Uh, He has no time for people because he's always working. And uh, even if he had a wife and and children, he wouldn't have time for them uh, because uh, it's all about the bank account. And maybe he would justify it to say, well, I've got money. Uh, I'm making money so I can support my family. But he gives no time and effort into the relationships that he has. And so he has a lot of money, but really there's no one to share it with. Uh, If he has any people in his life, uh, he's not sharing it with them. He never bothers to ask himself, why am I doing this? Why am I working? Who am I working for? Uh, And and, uh, maybe he thought that money itself would bring him happiness. We know that's never true. Solomon concludes this is vanity and a grave misfortune. Another translation says this is an unhappy business. Uh, in other words, a workaholism and this desire to get rich and this love of the things of this world, putting them first and putting them ahead of people in our lives. This is a recipe for misery. Uh, it brought to mind uh, the character of Ebenezer Scrooge. We all know Charles Dickens' uh, Christmas, a Christmas Carol. And in that book, uh, he, um, he describes uh, Scrooge like this. He says, no warmth could warm him. No wintry weather chill him because he himself is cold. His heart is icy. You couldn't get any colder, so no winter weather could make him any colder. And you couldn't warm him up. He was too frozen. He was the very antithesis of the Christmas spirit, if you will, Uh, In the book, uh, he, instead of giving and joy and love for people, there's no empathy. There's selfishness and there's apathy, caring nothing about people. And it's interesting to read, uh, there's a description in the book, uh, Dickens' book, about Scrooge's uh, youth. When he was a young person, he was different. And there was something that, that changed him along the way, but when he was in school, he enjoyed the, the festivities of Christmas and the company of his friends. And uh, But he was neglected by his father. He, he lived in poverty, uh, and his father uh, gave him no attention or love. And he became then obsessed with money, and uh, he didn't want to be poor, and, uh, and he cared nothing about other people. Over time, his greed overshadowed any empathy, any concern, any compassion for people. Do you know any people like that? Any Scrooges? Uh, well, have you seen any Scrooge-like tendencies in your own life? Uh, that is, to to put works, to put money, to put things ahead of the people that God has put in your life. Well, we need to remember, you know, first of all, what Jesus said. He says, man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. Uh, what does it consist in then? Well, it consists in knowing God, knowing Jesus Christ, and then loving the people uh, He's put in our lives, loving our neighbor as ourselves, loving one another. But we look at the rich and successful and we're, we're envious and we think uh, if we could only have what they have, then, then we'd be happy. And then maybe, maybe we could, then we think, oh, well, if I just had every, all my needs met, then I could start caring about others. It doesn't work that way. Um, because we'll, we're, we'll, we'll, you know, the pursuit of riches never ends. We'll never think we have. You know. So the thing is, are we seeking to build uh, our wealth or, or meet our own needs at the expense of our relationships? Are we, and are we experiencing loneliness? And is it our own fault? Uh, if so, uh, if someone is lonely in life, who is to blame? Well, often the lonely person will blame others because they uh, have not befriended uh, the lonely person. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, in his commentary on Ecclesiastes, lists three common cries of the lonely. One is blaming others. Why don't people love me and help me out of my problems? Uh, Second is self-pity. If only others realize how difficult things are for are for, for my life. And then there's the martyr complex. Nobody really cares. I'm all alone in this. Well, bemoaning the fact that we're lonely and then blaming other people for our loneliness will never actually cure loneliness. Uh, it only makes it worse. And so uh, you cannot enjoy life. You and I cannot enjoy life uh, as loners. And you can't certainly can't glorify God uh, if you stay to yourself and don't build relationships with others. And so we need people in our lives. And people need us. That's the thing. Uh, It goes both ways. Those who are alone and tend to isolate themselves need to see the value of friendship and make the effort uh, to be a friend to others. We all know the saying, if you want a friend, be a friend. But secondly, let's look then at the blessing The blessings of companionship. In verse 9, he says two are better than one. What a simple statement. Uh, It's just simple arithmetic. Two are better than one. Um, If you're uh, doing anything, almost, Uh, it it helps to have someone... uh, to, to engage in, in the project or, or, or the, the effort that, that needs to be put forth in a matter. Well, Solomon states this, two are better than one, as if it's just an undeniable fact of life. And, um, and then he gives the cure for loneliness, companionship. And, and that truth certainly applies, we can see it very easily, uh, to the institution or the relationship uh, of marriage. In Genesis 2.18, we read, And the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So marriage is God's design and cure for loneliness. And, and, and we, we, we have a basic need uh, for companionship, for relationship. And marriage is one of God's good gifts uh, to, uh, to remedy that. Uh, not everyone is called uh, to marriage. Uh, singleness is... A gift for some, I'd say for only a few, and and certainly some who have been married are now unmarried because of uh, divorce, uh, because of becoming uh, widowed, and so forth. There are different um, manifestations of the providence of God in each of our lives. But marriage is good. It's given uh, as a remedy for our aloneness. And, uh, you know, God, of course, understands and loves us. A relationship with God is Is vital. Uh, We know that. And yet we need flesh and blood uh, relationships as well. We can't separate uh, God and say, well, I'll just, you know, it'll just be me and God. I don't need people. Well, that's not biblical. Or we say, I don't need God. I'll just, you know, lean on people. That's not biblical either. Um, And solitude. I I enjoy solitude uh, from time to time. And but eventually, uh, solitude turns into loneliness and uh, isolation. Uh, can you imagine Adam before Eve was created from his side? Can you imagine uh, the loneliness that he began to feel, uh, even as God brought all the animals before him, and he says, "You know, name all the animals." And uh, and and yet he got through all the animals, and there there was not a helper suitable for him. It, And there was something missing, and and he wanted Adam to feel that. And you imagine how alone he felt, the only human being at that moment on the earth. Um, And and, uh, only that woman that God made for him would be a true companion for him. Well, Solomon goes on to present four benefits or blessings of companionship. It applies to all relationships, not only to marriage, but marriage is a wonderful picture of of, um, <clears throat> of that companionship. And the first thing he says is, you know, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. And it's interesting because the person who is alone, uh, all he's doing is working and, uh, and earning money and he's successful. But here he says, but when you have, when you work together with a companion, with a friend, you can, you can have an even greater profit. And, uh, and of course, it's more than just economics here uh, at, at, at work and, and intended by Solomon. When you work together with other people, uh, you become less self-centered and more productive. And and again, it, it applies uh, to uh, all areas of life. You know, when we share our lives with others, uh, we get back uh, so much more then we give and, and we are encouraged. We, we are rewarded in ways that mere uh, economic profit uh, cannot uh, compare to. So this truth applies uh, to, again, to to all relationships, it applies it to our mutual relationships within the body of Christ. And uh, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Well, that can't happen. Uh, if we uh, keep ourselves away from the fellowship of others in the church. And uh, so we need we need each other uh, to help us grow in the faith. We learn from one another. We, we don't just learn from the sermon. Uh, we learn from each other. I learn from you, uh, and we all learn from one another. And we also need to help each other in Christian service. And Mark 6, uh, verse 7, Jesus uh, called the 12 and he began to send them out two by two because Jesus knew the greater than Solomon. He knew that two are better than one. And John four thirty six. Uh, Jesus said, He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit to life eternal so that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. You see, rejoicing... Uh, when we see God at work in serving the Lord, rejoicing is, is, is a whole lot more fun when there's someone else to rejoice with. Uh, maybe it's a prayer partner. Maybe it's, uh, someone you study the Bible with. Maybe it's just the person you sit next to in church or in Sunday school, uh, or prayer meeting. And, um, you're able to share the joy of the Lord. And so, uh, we we heard this past week of uh, someone's mother in our congregation who came to know the Lord. What a what a joy! Now all of us get to share in because we've been praying for this woman to come to Jesus Christ. So praise God uh, for that uh, rejoicing, sowing and reaping, and rejoicing together. We don't fulfill the Great Commission alone. It, it, it's it's a corporate uh, thing. It's it's a thing that. The body of Christ does together. One sows, one waters, another does the harvesting. And, and so the work is responsibility of the whole body. Well, moving on to verse 10. Solomon writes, if they fall, one uh, that is two people. And that you've, got, you've got two here. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Well, that's... Uh, Again, one of these very obvious things. So companionship, in a sense, is necessary for survival. Uh, uh, I I remember uh, when I lived in Colorado, and and it was in the winter, and tons of snow on the ground, and so I I wanted to go hiking, but uh, I didn't have any snowshoes, and that was what you would have had to do. But I waited for the snow to melt, and uh, so I decided to go hiking one day in the Rocky Mountains to a place I've never been, I decided to go by myself. And uh, it, the higher I got in elevation, the more snow did cover the, the path, and I was about to get lost. And I thought, what if I get lost, or what if I fall, and there's nobody here with me, no cell phones, nothing. You know, it uh, was kind of a dangerous thing when you start to think about it. But uh, this verse is looking at uh, beyond the physical realities. You see, whenever we struggle, whenever we fail, whenever we fall in life, we need... Others to help us um, to help lift us up. Chuck Swindoll again. He says this. He says we may pretend to be rugged survivors, uh, tough-minded winners, and individuals, but the truth is that we all have weaknesses which call for strength uh, that others give. So we're dependent. We're we're created to be dependent on God, but also. Uh, on each other. So God doesn't mean for us to isolate ourselves uh, certainly from the body of Christ. We need to form close Christian friendships so that we can, first of all, be a help to others and then receive help when we need it. And there are lots of examples in the Scripture of of, uh, friendships like this. Uh, There's Elijah and Elisha, uh, two prophets of God. And uh, when these two men met, uh, the Bible says that uh, Elisha followed Elijah and ministered to him. Uh, e- Elijah needed Elisha. Uh, he needed his service. But Elisha needed Elijah to instruct him, to, to mentor him, and to, so that he might learn from him. Yes, Elijah was a master, the master in this situation, and Elisha was the servant. But here's what A.W. Pink writes in his commentaries, Gleanings, here. Uh, The ties of affection bound them together. Elisha accompanied Elijah during the last 10 years of his earthly life. And during the closing scenes, we are shown how closely they were knit together and how strong was the love uh, that they had for each other. So uh, it it was um, more than just, I'm the boss, I'm the master, you're the servant. Uh, there was a very close and affectionate relationship. Another example in the Bible of close uh, friendship is is Ruth and Naomi. Uh, We see in the Old Testament, uh, Naomi's uh, two sons had died. Her husband had died. But her daughter-in-law, Ruth, uh, and and, and Naomi was um, living in uh, Moab, and so she wanted to go back to uh, Israel. And Ruth insisted, even though she was from there, from Moab, uh, she insists on going back with Naomi. Uh, She said, entreat me not to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. So... There's a commitment, yes, to Israel's God, your God will be my God, but to this relationship that had begun with uh, with a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law. And then there's David and Jonathan, classic example. King Saul was hunting David down, and Saul's son Jonathan uh, reached out and was a great help. Uh, during this difficult period in David's life and and so they became close friends and the Bible says the soul of Jonathan was knit uh, to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. Well, that's Christian uh, fellowship. That's true companionship. But David also, interestingly, had another friend, a different sort of friend that he needed when he got into another sort of trouble. Uh, Nathan the prophet. Uh, When David sinned, and He sinned gravely, if you will, uh, when he uh, committed adultery and then committed murder. Uh, when he sinned, 2 Samuel 12, 7 says, And Nathan, the prophet, said to David, You are the man, thus says the Lord God of Israel. So Nathan cared enough to confront David with his sin. Do we have people like that in, in our lives who are willing to do that? Uh, David had lingered in his sin and not repented he he um he hesitated to to turn to the lord and so nathan comes along to spur him on and uh and, and in second samuel twelve thirteen, david says to nathan i have sinned you're right i have sinned against the lord and then nathan says this to david the lord has also put away your sin you shall not die. So here we see, first of all, he was willing to confront. He cared enough to confront, but then he also cared enough to comfort him with the good news of the gospel, if you will, with forgiveness. And this is what Christian brothers and sisters do for each other. Uh, we don't just ignore the sins in our friends' Christian friends' lives. We don't also, on the other hand, we don't just uh, beat them up and look down on them for their sins. We encourage them to confess and be forgiven and, and 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 offer that hope of forgiveness. And so good friends care enough about each other, good Christian friends, to tell each other the truth about our sins and about the gospel. But next in verse 11... Uh, Solomon says this, he says, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Well, an obvious benefit of marriage uh, is you don't have to have the uh, thermostat set so high, you know. Um, and, uh, but in ancient times, and I think this is probably what he's referring to, in ancient times, travelers on cold winter nights uh, would rely on uh, each other for warmth. They would sleep close together. Uh, You know, I've heard, you know, back-to-back sometimes, so uh, that uh, these people could stay warm. I mean, you know, there's the issue of uh, freezing to death. (laughs) Uh, Hypothermia, and and I've always heard this, that if, if someone is hypothermic, and let's say you're out, you know, hiking or camping, uh, the, the, if you really need to, to increase the body heat of someone, you get that person and, and another person who's just fine, and you put them together in a sleeping bag, and that transference of heat uh, from one to the other can save that person's life who is hypothermic. Well, verse 11 obviously can be applied uh, in other ways, to, uh, for example, to a friend who uh, needs comfort and he was in need of emotional support. Um, we we know how cold people can be, and, uh, and and so when someone has mistreated us, someone who you know has, has hurt us, we feel left out in the cold, if you will. Uh, it's helpful to have a friend who who provides emotional support and say and tells us it's going to be okay. And you know they may not care, but I care. And uh, so it's, it's so helpful uh, to have a friend who uh, will give us that shoulder to lean on in such times. It's helpful to be a friend who provides that shoulder to lean on. I couldn't help but think of another song, the James Taylor song that, that I grew up listening to, You've Got a Friend. Uh, I know the, the music will come to your mind, but I'm just going to read it and not going to sing it. Uh, hey, ain't it good to know you've got a friend? uh people can be so cold they'll they'll hurt you they'll desert you well they'll take their soul take your soul if you let them oh yeah but don't you let them you just call out my name and you know wherever i am i'll come running uh, to see you again winter spring summer or fall Uh, all you got to do is call i'll be there yes i will you've got a friend ain't it good to know you've got a friend and uh, we can be thankful that we have a friend in Jesus who sits closer than a brother. But we need also those brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who care for us. Jesus wants us to do that for each other. Lastly, in verse twelve, Solomon writes, "Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a 3 I can't say that a threefold cord is not quickly broken." Uh, obviously, uh, again, when in the in ancient times, if you traveled uh, certain roads, you knew that you, you're very likely to be robbed. You don't travel those roads alone. You need a traveling companion, and you're less likely to be robbed by a lone robber if there's two of you. And so, um, but but again, it applies to not only physical, um, you know, protection from physical attack. It applies to um, Again, to to those who may attack us verbally, uh, and so forth. Uh, you know, friends can help put an end to rumors. They might hear someone talking about a friend, and, and they say, "No, that's not true," and 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 be a defender of the friend. But but more importantly, friends help us in this in this battle against evil, against the evil one. The evil one is the accuser of the brethren, and 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 so. Well, we pray for one another, we encourage one another in the Lord so that we can stand strong uh, against uh, the devil. And, and and a two-fold cord, uh, a three-fold cord is even better. Uh, two are better than one, but it's also good to have more than one friend uh, because that friend may not be around at all times. Uh, they, they may like to be, but there may be times when we rely on other friends that we might have. So uh, those who tend to stay to themselves are, are going to find it difficult. Uh, that their, their spiritual protection uh, is lessened without friends to hold each other up in prayer and to encourage each other. And, and certainly the best place to find and develop these kinds of relationships is in the church, in the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, where the friends that you make, and certainly in a Bible-believing church, but the friends that you make are going to be dedicated to the Lord, dedicated and committed and reliable friends. Uh, Some have tried to say that that threefold cord is a husband, wife, and and the Holy Spirit in their lives. Well, I don't think that's exactly what Solomon is getting at here, but I think he's just commending community, Christian uh, community as the antidote to loneliness and the individualism that certainly we uh, are often uh, leaning towards. So the communion of saints in the body of Christ, the whole chapter in the Westminster Confession of Faith was written about that, the communion of saints. And so uh, certainly we need to remember that this communion that we have with each other uh, it depends upon our communion and fellowship, first of all, with Jesus Christ. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, or if you're not walking closely with Jesus, uh, you're not going to be able to, to be a good friend and have uh, be, be a good um, encouragement in the community of the body of Christ. And uh, the cure for our t- tendency to be alone is to join ourselves in the body of Christ, and be involved, be engaged. Uh, Don't just just be on the fringes. Uh, Get into things and get involved with people's lives. And so uh, the strength that we have in order to do that comes from our communion and fellowship with Jesus. Uh, That is very, very important. And so the closer we are to Christ, the closer we can become and better friends to the people that God puts in our lives. Well, uh, we all need uh, this closeness with each other uh, and Christian fellowship. Uh, You know, you might be on fire for the Lord, but if you're by yourself, uh, that's not going to last very long. Uh, You take a coal out of the fire and you know what happens. It goes out rather quickly. But when we're all heat together, the fire kind of keeps we keep each other burning and uh, Charles Bridges in his commentary says this, he says the most lively Christian uh, left alone is in danger of waxing cold in selfishness but the precious communion of saints warms the Christian from the very center the strongest among us need the community of faith Uh, but sadly uh, there are some who still want to remain isolated. And we see this today in our culture. People say, you know, I don't, I don't need the church. I've got, you know, I, I have my relationship with the Lord. That's all I need. Um, and they don't want to join a church. Uh, Bridges said this, he says, but surely it's better to belong. Uh, and one of the reasons people give is, you know, the church, there's so many problems. I mean, you know, every church has this problem is is, there's no there's no good church around. But he says this, he says, better to belong to an imperfect, though not heretical, of course, imperfect church than none. Better to continue steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Uh, Every church is imperfect. Some are heretical. Yes, don't join those. Uh, better to be by yourself than in, in, in a church that is a, really a synagogue of Satan. Uh, but there are, the rest of us are imperfect churches, trying to do uh, the right thing, trying to believe the right things, and proclaim the truth. But we fall short. And yet, to continue steadfastly in apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking and bread, and prayer is vital. Are you committed to the Lord Jesus Christ today? Then are you committed also to one another? Think of all the one another commands in Scripture. You can't live those out by yourself. Uh, it, it must be in the community of the church. And so you need the church. And the church needs you. And I praise God uh, for the love uh, that is present in, in this congregation. That There really is love for each other. But, you know, sometimes people do. Uh, fall through the cracks. Sometimes people are on the fringes, and we need to do our best to uh, to to keep our eyes open for people who may uh, feel uh, a little alone. And those who are feeling a little alone, you need to take a little extra step, uh, take a little extra courage to get involved and uh, and see what happens. Well, <clears throat> let us continue as saints of God to love one another, to pray for for one another, to support one another, to be the family of God that He's called us to be. Uh, Let us in our marriages continue to love one another, to support each other, and not take each other for granted, because two really are better than one. Let's pray. Lord, You are uh, so good to us.